looking back to move forward. Yeah, you're, you're beating me to the punch. Hold on a second. Stay with me. Stay with me. Our main text is Deuteronomy chapter 11. Before we go there, as Mitzi pointed out, it isn't ironic or interesting or I don't know what word to really put there that we talk about looking back and hindsight's always 2020. It just so happens that last year was 2020. It almost has a sense of irony to it, don't you think? Uh, it started me thinking about what does that mean when we talk about 2020 vision? Now, a lot of people will tell you if you have 2020 vision, you have perfect vision. But as I found out, there's no, really, no such thing as perfect vision. Because the ability to see is based upon many array of factors. Death perception, contrast, color vision, eye muscle coordination. All plays a fact into how you see. So what do we mean by 2020? Well, it's a visual acuity scale they put out. So when you say you have 20-20 vision, you can see something clearly at 20 feet away. If I have 20-80 vision, that means I see at 20 feet away what somebody with 20-20 vision can see 80 feet away. Do you follow? So that's how they measure it. And you're thinking, Tim, why are you telling me this? Because even though we may not have 20-20 vision this morning with our eyes, we can look back and have 2020 vision as we reflect back upon the year 2020. As we remember God's faithfulness, how he has worked in and through us, through everything that's happened. Just a moment ago, we sang a song called, Come Thy Fount of Every Blessing. And did you catch the second Stanza or the second verse where it says, Here I raise my Ebenezer. What in the world does that mean? We can find the answer in 1 Samuel chapters 4 through 7. And in those chapters of 1 Samuel, we'll find a description of a series of battles between the Israelites and the Philistines. Now, the Israelites wanted to defeat the Philistines, and so they took the, the Ark of the Covenant with them, but sort of like a good luck charm, if you will. Well, the Philistines end up capturing the Ark and took it into their pagan temple. And then God sent plagues upon the Philistines and caused their idol of their God to fall over on its face. Of course, fearing God, they now returned the Ark back to the Israelites. Now, they continued with battles but Samuel was their last judge. And as a prophet and judge, he offered sacrifices to God. And so at one point, when the Philistines approached the Israelites, God thundered with a great thunder. And in the confusion that followed, the Israelites soundly defeated the Philistines. Now listen to this. As a reminder of the great victory God gave to Israel... Samuel took a great stone and raised it as a memorial. And he called the stone Ebenezer, which means in Hebrew, stone of 
help. When they looked at that stone, they could remember how God helped them on that day. So what I'm encouraging us to do this morning is to raise our Ebenezer, to think about what God has done. And so I compiled a list. This is not comprehensive. But as I sat in my office at my house, I thought about the events of 2020 and how God has given you and I the joyful task of actually remembering what he has done. It's a chance to celebrate and give thanks and to teach our children. This is just a small list now. Now, as I, as I say these things, I want you to think about everything that's happened. We've had people get sick. We've had people pass away. We've had grief and distress. But through it all, God has demonstrated his faithfulness. When COVID first hit, we went to a Blast Kids drive through right out here. Every Wednesday, we averaged, averaged over 100 meals. Along with all the Bible study materials, along with a Bible study being available online for the kids. Maintain those relationships. We began to live stream just the message. Me and Brother Jerry back there, what a learning curve that was, huh, brother? Come a long way, praise God. And as we can meet face-to-face, we started streaming the entire service. And there's definitely a learning curve involved, and we began offering online giving. By the way, have you looked at the bulletin? If you haven't, take a look. We live stream a dual Easter sunrise service with Brother Thad Murphy down the road. And then for the first time ever in my life, we had a drive-in Easter service. Remember that? Right out there. We had a spring trip, a spring break mission trip for the youth that went to Louisiana back in March. We installed hand sanitizer stations and security cameras throughout the building. We had a kid's summer reading program here. We even put on a gay camp called Camp Huddle. Had a lot of community involvement. We had VBS, concrete and cranes. All these were very heavily attended, and a lot of people were involved. The youth camp with Toller Baptist in June with impact happening here at home in July. We had an accident with our doors back here. Had them replaced. No problems. We updated our internet and live streaming capabilities. We have a new computer, camera, remote control, and all this other stuff. We had See You at the Pole in September. We had a concert with Blake and Jenna Bowlerjack. We simulcast the return, the National and Global Day of Prayer Repentance on September 26th. The Ministerial Alliance getting back up with the drive-in movie kickoff event, The Star, right at the community center. We had Thanksgiving. We delivered meals to the shut-ins, those in need. In fact, Brother Larry and I went out. We had communion that Sunday. We took that communion out to the shut-ins then on that Sunday night. What a special time that was. Working at the Operation Christmas Child Processing Center in December. And by the way, not only do we reach our Lottie Moon offering goal, but we surpassed it. 
It was not until the past two weeks that any service was canceled. Now, even though we couldn't meet face-to-face, we've always live-streamed. And through this all, we've had people come and visit. We've had people join the church. We've had people not only join the church, but actually start serving in the church. We have a new ministry kicking off this, this month, the Forestburg Moms Group. And this is the point. I mean, these are all things we can look at. But remember this, that through all of this, the gospel was seen and heard. Lives were impacted. Seeds were planted. And God provided all the, foundry, all the financial resources for all of this. And we never, never missed a beat. So how can we face the year 2021? Brothers and sisters, just look back these past few months. Doesn't mean 2021 will not have its own challenges and difficulties. But we can face tomorrow with confidence because God has proved himself faithful time and time and time again. Let's look at our text in Deuteronomy chapter 11. And this is another time where Moses is reminding the people about two events. One happened in Egypt, and one happened in the desert of Sinai. But he starts off by telling them, You shall therefore love the Lord your God, and always keep his charge, his statutes, his ordinances, and his commandments. Know this day that I am not speaking with your sons, who have not known and who have not seen the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm, and his signs and his works, which he did in the midst of Egypt to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all his land. What he did to Egypt's army, to its horses and chariots, when he made the water of the Red Sea to engulf them while they were pursuing you, and the Lord completely destroyed them. What he did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place, and what he did to Dathan and Abram, the sons of Elab, the son of Reuben. Listen to this. When the earth opened its mouth and swaddled them, their households, their tents, and every living thing that followed them among Israel. But your own eyes have seen all the great work which the Lord has done. He starts off by telling him in verse 1, You shall therefore love the Lord your God. He's urging the people to love God by being completely obedient to Him. And the proof must come by keeping the Lord's charge or His requirements or His mandates. To keep the Lord's statutes or His decrees. The keeping of God's ordinances or his judgments or his laws and commands. In other words, Moses is calling them to love God and obey God in every single aspect. What's the basis for this? Because they have witnessed with their own eyes what God had done. You and I have witnessed with our own eyes what God has done. When you look at a church of this size, and when everything has happened, you cannot tell me God has not been involved because He has. 
He has been moving and working the entire time. He reminded them the mighty things the Lord had done for his people in the recent past. Look at verse 7. Your eyes have seen all the great work of the Lord which he did. It was them, not their children, who experiences his discipline and instruction that was reduced by his greatness, his might or powerful hand and his outstretched arm. Now the context here makes it clear that discipline refers not to Israel's punishment, but what they have learned as they observe God's mighty acts of deliverance. He talks about his signs, his works, his acts, his wonders, which he did. Look what he in the midst. Another word you could put that instead of saying in the midst, in the heart of Egypt. That's another way of describing these instructive acts as signs that the Lord accomplished against Pharaoh and his armies. I'll mention again, look at the place where all this took right in the very heart of Egypt. And this ranged from the changing of Moses' rod to a snake, to the plagues, and to the mighty Exodus event itself. And here's the point. This didn't happen on some outlying place of Egypt, some unpopulated area of Egypt. This happened right in the middle of the nation itself. It affected not just the poor and the weak and defenseless, but mighty Pharaoh himself, his armies, his chariots. It affected the whole nation of Egypt. Now the population of Egypt at this time, most scholars will tell you about 3 to 4.5 million people. But let's look at Exodus chapter 12. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 12, verse 33. And see what it says about as they left Egypt. Uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 33. The Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we will all be dead. So the people, the Israelites, took dough before it was leavened with their kneading bowels bound up in clothes and on the shoulders. Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they had requested from the Egyptians Articles of silver and articles of gold, of gold, excuse me, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have their request. Look what it says, last part of verse 36. They what? Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Folks, these people were slaves. And they walked out with gold and silver. They plundered them. Now the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about six, look how many, about 600,000 men on foot aside from children. And a mixed multitude also went with them, along with the flocks and herds and a very large number of livestock. Isn't it something that Moses is reminding them these events took place in the heart of Egypt? 
and affected the whole nation. A nation of approximately three to four point five billion people. And not only do they walk out, but they plundered them. That's not my words, that's the words of the text. Now let's think about this for a second. Would that be equivalent to me of saying that these events happened not just anywhere in the United States, but in the heart of Washington, D.C.? And we all saw it. I want to encourage you. As we watch the news, it's so easy to get angry, depressed, um, full of anxiety. But when we stop and look very carefully, we can see God working in the midst of it all. And remember, dearly beloved, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. I'm not ready to quite go yet. I like to see my grandchildren grow up. It, it struck me as, as I was watching the television the other day that as New Year's hit, everybody was talking about, oh, 2021, come on, it's going to be such a great year. So our hope is not in a new year by default. Just because it's a new year doesn't mean everything's going to go, wee. But our hope is founding on something that is steadfast and sure it will never move, and that's upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the one, not a new year, but we put our faith in the one that makes everything new. The same God that did this for his people in ancient Egypt is the same God you and I serve today. He wants to make his name great and his glory around the world. And he chooses, this is what blows my mind, he chooses people like me and you to do that. To give us the wonderful opportunity and privilege to do that. Now as we turn back to the text, you will see that it says the Lord completely destroyed them. But in Hebrew, literally it means to this day. So I started chasing the rabbit. You ever done that when you prepare for a lesson, doll? You start chasing the rabbit and you spend like five hours. You go, what I, I came across a book written. It's called Kingdom of, Kingdom of Priests, A History of Old Testament Israel. And it's written by Eugene H. Merrill, who served as a distinguished professor of Old Testament at Dallas Theological Seminary. And I wanted to wrap my mind more about this to this day. What did that mean? And what he basically says in this book is that it's a documented fact that the kings that followed the Pharaoh, the kings that succeeded the Pharaoh of the Exodus, were not able to find large armies or undertake any military campaigns until after the period suggested by to this day. That's about 1400 B.C. So he's talking about, it's a historical fact that after this time of the Exodus, the Pharaohs that followed the Pharaoh of the, most people say it's Ramses, that followed Ramses, were not able to have a big army. Why is that? Well, they're all drowned in the Red Sea. And that's a documented fact. And Moses is saying, you guys have seen this. Not your children. I'm talking to you. And now he talks to another event. 
talks about what God did to Dathan and Abraham, the sons of Eblab, the sons of Reuben. Now, this doesn't happen in the middle of Egypt. This happens in the Sinai Desert. And this time it's not judgment against some foreigners, it's against fellow Israelites. And it's the rebellion of the Reubenites and then Dathan and Abram. Moses commanded them to appear before him to answer charges of insubordination to him and Aaron, and they refused to do so. And you find that in Numbers verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 12. They had joined Korah, Levite, an insurrection against God's appointed. It seems that Korah wanted their wish to take over the priesthood, and Dathan and Abram expired to political office. You see that in number 16 as well. So they, re- they revolted against God's anointing. Look what happened. The utter annihilation of the rebels and their families. Look what the text says. Remember what God did to them? When the earth opened its mouth and swaddled them, their households, their tents, and everything that followed them. And this event took place in, Egypt, I mean, in public, just like Egypt. Most translations will say among all Israel or in the midst of Israel, but the Holman Christian Standard puts it this way, in the middle of the whole Israel camp. Now think about this. These people have seen the Exodus event, the drowning of Pharaoh's army, and now they're seeing this other event where people rebelled and the earth swallowed them up. That'd be a hard thing to forget, don't you think? Those two events are huge. And sometimes you look at that going, well, what was their problem? These two events by themselves, if I had been there and saw all that. But you know, we see things happen all the time, but we blow them off. I said this before, and I'm going to say it again. The greatest thing you and I witness, in my opinion, is when someone who was lost, someone who has been an enemy of God, someone who shook their fist in the face of God, and yet God reaches out. I heard it explained this way by a preacher the other day. He said, you know, God has one hand pushing his wrath back fully on, on, the, on the earth, and at the same time, he's reaching out his hand going, would you be mine? And then one day, both those hands are going to be gone. I thought that was a neat illustration. But when that person responds to the gospel and you see a transformation, they become a part of the family of God. And you see restoration and reconciliation take place. What a, what a powerful, truly powerful miracle that is. I mean, think about it. We, we throw, as a, as a country, we throw tons of money at poverty and drug abuse and alcohol abuse. And I'm not saying those programs are bad, but programs by themselves don't change people. Only God can change the human heart. Only God has the power to do so. And it bothers me that Christians in America, we have a tendency to kind of Think the government can fix it? No, the government can't fix everything because it's made up of people. If you want to see true change 
and true reconciliation and peace, then they must receive the gospel. That's the only way. And because of these lessons, that the Israelites saw the positive one in Egypt, if you will, a more negative one in the desert, they should have been fresh in his audience's minds. After all, they're the ones who witnessed it, not their children. And as adult participants, they cannot plead either ignorance or lack of personal accountability. What they had experienced should have provided the highest motivation to love and response and obedience to God. Going back to verse 1, therefore, love the Lord your God. This is the time to raise our Ebenezer and remember what our Lord has done. Past year definitely had its unique challenges. Some of the words that people use to describe 2020, probably the most popular one was unprecedented, exhausting, chaotic, surreal, heartbroken, heartbreaking. But through it all, in the midst of Forsberg Baptist Church, God continued to move and work among us and in us and through us. Therefore, I echo the words of Moses as he spoke to the Israelites. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and always keep his charge, his statutes, his ordinances, and his commandments. There is no guarantee, dearly beloved, what this new year will have in store for us. It will bring challenges and difficulties. But one thing is certain. God will be with us and he has promised never to forsake us. All of us have been changed in this past year by God's grace. In both challenging and sometimes very difficult and joyful ways. So let's look forward with confidence. And boldness. But one thing we always must do, pray. Pray. Seek the Lord in everything that we do. The time I wake up, the time I put my head on my pillow, be in constant contact with the Lord. As you well know, there are some important events about to happen in our country that could shape the history of this country forever. I'm not going to use the pulpit for a political game, but I will tell you this, we must pray. We must seek God out. And although I love my country, I served my country, and I will protect her again, my first allegiance must always be to the Lord God Himself. And I want you to remember these things as we move in and as we plan for the future. Think about what God has done. Think about that nothing can snatch you out of His hand. You're safe and secure. Not even death itself can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. I want to leave you with the words of Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. 
do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. I pray that those words of the prophet Isaiah will be with you. Not only the rest of the day, but in the coming days. And as we move forward into the future, dear beloved, remember everything that God has done. In fact, let's take this time now and just silently I'm going to just bow our heads and reflect as individuals and as a church God's faithfulness. Almost Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, dear God, for your faithfulness when we are faithless. We thank you for the hope that you provide for us, peace and the love. And Father, in the times in which we live, it can be overwhelming. We can be afraid. Father, we pray that you will continue to grant us boldness, courage. As we look back, throughout human history and even now in our own history in this era in which we live now dear God you've shown yourself to be faithful Father I lift up my brothers and sisters here and those who are joining us via internet dear God that right now they will feel your mighty arms of love and peace wrap around them. God, you will help us to recall the joy of our salvation. All the times you've answered prayers that have moved mightily. Father, may we be a people that are living by faith. Stepping out even though we may not be sure of the results or what's going to happen, we know one thing, that you've promised to walk with us. And as we step out living by faith, may we also be a people that are known by love, that truly care about each other and for our fellow man. May we continue to 
go out and be faithful to the call of the gospel. May people not only hear it from us, but may they see it as well. Dear God, I thank you for this body. What they've come to mean to me. And my family. I thank you, dear God, for leading me here. You knew in your wisdom when you moved me here exactly all was going to happen. Father, it's a divine appointment. And for that, I'm eternally grateful to you. Father, may we respond today to your voice. May we be totally committed to you. May we love the Lord our God with every fiber of our being and every aspect of our lives. Continue to move and speak among us this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.